Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1233 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer joining you from Dallas, Texas. Big D. And the Edmonton Oilers to take on the Dallas Stars tonight. We do want to mention to you here on uh, Oilers Now that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Happy holidays from the gang at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Tell Chef Eltoff. Chris and Brendan that Oilers now sent you. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and we welcome back to the show, courtesy of GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. We welcome back Sportsnet color analyst and former Edmonton Oiler, Louis DeBrusque. Hello, Louis. How are you? Doing well, Bobby. How are you doing? Good. Uh, this is a tough matchup tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. It is. You know what? This is, you know, not just in my opinion, but a lot of people's opinions, one of the better teams in the National Hockey League that, you know what, are just playing very, very well as a team right now. And they have all the ingredients for a good team. They have a great goaltender, a young one in Ottinger. They have depth in the forward lines. They have one of the best defensemen in the game in Haskin and depth in that department as well. And, Yes, it will be a tough matchup, but I think sometimes when the matchup is like this for Edmonton, I think it brings the best out in them. And make no mistake about it, the opposition looks across and sees the player that it, players that Edmonton have and understand they have to have their best game as well. And I think the Dallas Stars respect Edmonton in that way. And this should be a good one. This seems to, uh, for me anyway, more often than not, get the best out of a team because you know going in to play a team like Dallas, you better be on your A game or... It'll happen the same that it happened the last time these two teams met where Dallas pretty much had their way through it the whole game. Well, there were a bunch of things that went on that game. But first, I'll just get to... And we're going to have Ronnie Lowe on a little bit later on because the Oilers had a healthy rivalry. It was a different time back then because the amount of money Dallas were spending on the team versus the Oilers being a small market franchise. But historically speaking, Dallas has always had uh, Edmonton's number here in Dallas, regardless of the building. Um, is it just because they've been better run or has it because, you know, why do you think that's been the case? It's a good question. I mean, from Ronnie's era, you have to look at that. This has been a pretty well run organization though. When you look at the way they drafted, the way they built their team. I mean, look at the first round as they're in the roster tonight. Um, they're young players and I guess they're, transitional players that you, you call the superstars, the Robertsons, the hints of the world that have really developed into premier players in the league right now. They have a, an aging core, but that is still very dangerous. And Ben Sagan, um, you know, I think Lindell is very underrated as a really strong shutdown defensive defenseman that plays a hard game. I mean, he's over 220 pounds. He's a big guy that plays hard and he's very good at his job. Uh, Back when we used to play against the Stars, when Ronnie was the coach of the Oilers and when I was with him in that time period, they were one of the best teams in the league at that time as well. They won a Stanley Cup, obviously, in 99, and they were building towards that in those matchups that we had in the playoffs before that. You knew they were a great team. They were a veteran team. They went out, they got older players, and they insulated uh, their up-and-comers with those older players, and they were able to win a Stanley Cup. So very similar in that regard as far as how they've developed now, but... I can't really answer to you why 
Dallas has had a great record against Edmonton or been a tough matchup against Edmonton throughout the course of uh, their history, but they have been, and it's not different now. But they're a tough matchup for everybody right now. This is a team that has four deep lines. They play the right way. Peter DeBoer has come in and, and, and in my opinion, just given them a little more freedom to be not necessarily more offensive, but be a little quicker to get into the offense, in my opinion. They're not as not kind of buying their time coming out of their zone. They're a little quicker out of their zone. They have fast forwards that are big, and that's that's what makes them a handful right now is they have tall, fast forwards um, that can punish you physically but can also work out the cycle effectively. This this is a, this will be a real test. I'm excited about this one because, like I said before, I really do believe that when you go up against the best teams in the league, you're forced to be on your A game, just like for almost every opponent that comes in and sees McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent, Hopkins over on the other side, okay, this is going to be a tough night offensively. These guys could really eat you up. They're ready. Edmonton doesn't get any easy games because of that. That's just the nature of the beast. That's what happens when you have the one, two guys in the National Hockey League in points. Everybody takes notice. Everybody's ready. Um, Dallas Stars are no different now, though. People go, go and play the Dallas Stars. You come into Dallas, you play them on the road. Um, they're a good team. You understand that and you're ready for them. Uh, all right, I want to go back to Jamie Benn, who, by the way, in his career against Edmonton has 23 goals and 39 points in 38 games against Edmonton, plus 16. He's got 30 points in 33 games this year. And I know that was a, a bad 6-2 home ice loss for the Oilers. An afternoon yeah. matinee, they'd blown the game late against New Jersey. But I think it's fair to say Jamie Benn took a liberty or two with the Edmonton Oilers in the course like game. Do you not agree? Oh, yeah. No, there's no question. There's gamesmanship there with Jamie Benn. I mean, he's a big power forward. He's a tough customer, but he's not afraid to push the issue. He got into it with Hyman after that big exchange where uh, Fogel got hit by Pavelski. Hyman came in and crushed Pavelski after that. And then uh, later on, Hyman kind of separated him and knocked the stick out of his hand and all that stuff. Um, no penalties to show on the, all of that, by the way. I'm just saying. But... I, in that game, there's no question he was feeling it. And, uh, you know, he came to life in that game. He's had a strong season. I think he's playing more the way he did, obviously, early in his career. One time he won the Art Ross Trophy. He's one of the best power forwards in the game. There's still a lot of game left in Jamie Benton. He's, he's not done. And when he plays that way, it's when he plays his best. I mean, that's just obviously the case. But he did take some liberties. It'll be interesting to see if, if Edmonton responds physically tonight against him just to make it a tougher night for him. Uh, which is not easy to do, but it's necessary. You have to play him hard, and you have to get him off his game a little bit because he can get a little undisciplined at times, and that's one of the areas that Peter DeBoer talked about this morning. They have to stay out of the penalty box against Edmonton. They got away with it last time. There were some power plays for Edmonton in that game, and in this one here, they're hoping to be a little bit more disciplined. But uh, you know what? It'll be a good game. I think there's gonna, it's going to have a lot involved. The dads are on the trip, obviously, still. Uh, tough loss in Nashville. They would like to see their, their boys go out there and do their best, and I think the boys have a little bit of extra pressure on them that way as well. It always is when any family members in the stands watching you, and on the dad's trip, you always want to try and play your best. So I expect a good one tonight. All right. Well, the Oilers power play in the month of December, 17 for 38. That's 44.7%. That is one way you can intimidate. When you look at the makeup of the Oilers roster, and Louie, like Ryan McLeod, um, I thought we're looking at the 30th and the 31st of December. I think there's a chance he could be back, you know, a full week before that, and which would be a good one Friday outside. Ch What's that? He was skating 
skating pretty well today. I'll tell you, we were watching him on the ice today, and uh, yeah, he was flying. He was out there in the practice as well, which is really neat to see. And Obviously, snapping uh, the puck around, yeah, Louis, you know, yesterday so, snapping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, that's everybody heals differently. Everybody, you know, has a a timetable until that timetable changes, but it's good to see those guys on the ice. And I think that the, the team was happy to see those guys out in the mix and, and skating around and playing, but those are two real key ingredients to the team that are missing and they'll be excited to get them back. But yeah, I agree. I think I really do believe that McLeod is uh, not that far away. You know, Jack and I were just yeah, even right. saying, I wouldn't be surprised to see him there Friday, but who knows? I don't know if he's even close or not, but uh, they want to take their time obviously with any injury to make sure it's a hundred percent. So I'm going to throw a, it's not a curveball, it's a fastball coming at you, especially given that you do. Even when they get, so I think we can both agree, this team right now is probably going to get as far as seven forwards, 5D, and the two goalies taken. David Dreisaitl, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, uh, Kane, Yamamoto, and, and McLeod. So they got two of those guys out. They're 5D, Nurse, CC, Kulak, and Barry, Bouchard, you know, and then the two guys in between the pipes. That being said, you still can make some additions. Do the Oilers, other than intimidating through the power play as they are currently configured do they have the right stuff to to engage in the gamesmanship that might be requisite against a team like this or is it coming upon ken holland to maybe change the dynamic a bit in their bottom six well i'll say up until this point they haven't they don't have that team that's what i will say now i'm not saying it's not in players to do that Yes, I think that if every guy comes out and is committed to that in a pack mentality and really ratchets that up, and I'll, I'll give you an example, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ryan Nugent Hopkins this year is having a terrific year. But in my opinion, where he's elevated is that he's got a little bit more physical. He's starting to win battles with his body, not just his stick. He's not the biggest guy, but he's matured, and he understands that he has to use his body to win those battles. And I think guys like Zach Hyman have rubbed off on a few guys this year. Tyler Yamamoto, not the biggest guy, but when he wins battles, he wins the battle with his body. Smart stick, yes, but it's the body that goes in there 100% and wins that battle. So do I feel that guys can play a harder game? Absolutely. I think that every player to a man in that dressing room would say the same thing. They're going to have to do that tonight. It has to be a complete game tonight from the complete team to beat this Dallas Stars team. I, I truly believe that. And Jay Woodcroft said it this morning again. He said it multiple times. It's going to be all hands on deck tonight. And that's the only way you can compete against the best teams in the league because they play that way. They might not be punishing on the offense as far as physical play, but they're fast, they're strong, they demand the puck, they win battles because they're big and strong, and they have the skill to finish. So how do you combat that? You better ratchet up your intensity and play that way. As of up until this point, um, I don't think that this team is deep enough in that regard to play that type of a game. And we've talked about this at length many times. Do I think they want to try and add to that? Absolutely. I think that is certainly a weakness in their roster that they will try and address over the course of this year and next year in the near future to correct that. Because if you look at the teams that are successful right now, they're not only skilled, they're not only fast, they're nasty. They're big. They can play a grinding game. Um, but I do believe there's more. And until we see that more from certain players, and that's everybody. I'm talking every single guy has to be committed. Because we have seen some games this year where they do do that. And when they play that way, and it's not an easy way to play, they're a very effective team. And I'm not talking fighting. I, I mean, listen, I understand that the gamesmanship. Sure, I'd love to see somebody go out there and tap Jamie Ben right out of the gates. Honest to God, if it was me, I would want to see somebody go out there and say, okay, you know what? You kind of ran our show last game. How about we deal with you right away? 
let's let's go. And and you know what? To get a guy that's playing very well right now in Jamie Ben to engage physically, like Josh Manson did earlier in the year with the Avalanche, we saw what happened in that scrap. Okay, so I I just don't think they have that ingredient in their lineup right now. Do they need it? I'm sure they would like it. Let's just say that. I'm telling you, if you ask ask the players right now, that would be, I think, to a man, they would say, yeah, we would like to have that ingredient in our lineup. Not easy to go out and find it. There are some guys out there, but I think that's something that if they could address it, they will. Now, what do you think of Josh Brown, by the way? Josh Brown, you know what? Um, I don't mind him. He's a big, strong kid. I know that uh, he played in Boston. He was liked. And uh, he's, uh, he's a tough kid. He fits the bill. I mean, he's definitely a guy that can play, but he can also drop the gloves and fight too. It's not like he's looking out there every single night to go drop the gloves and fight, but no question he's not backing away. Yeah, he yeah I mean, uh, a bit like McElrath for me, right? Like when I watch him, you know, big six range. I think he's, range he's a better, okay. better player than McElrath. Sorry for cutting you off. Better, better player than McElrath, in my opinion. I think McElrath is a little yes, better player. Um, but he's a better player, so that's obviously important. If you're going to add that ingredient, um, like the Ryan Reeves of the world. I, I like Ryan Reeves because he can skate. He's going he's gonna to punish people on, on the offense, on the hits. He's going to get in there and grind. He can cycle a puck. He's not going to hurt you in any way in that regard. He's not a guy that's undisciplined and takes bad penalties, yet he'll fight anybody in the league and is considered by most to be the toughest guy in the league. So, you know, that's kind of a guy that there's only one of them, though. There's only a few guys in the league that are even close to that, and they're hard to find. But if I was if I was Ken Holland, yes, I would want to look for something like that, especially with the likes of who they have in their roster. They have the best player in the game. I think that every player to a man will feel more insulated if they have somebody like that in their roster that can play the game that way. All right, Louie, it's fun time. You told me we've not heard this story ever in all these years that you've been. I did not know that this has occurred. You got to tell the listeners early with your time with the New York Rangers about your run-in with your teammate Tony Granato. Yeah, it was my first shift, and I can't believe we've never we've never talked about this before. I thought maybe years ago we had talked about it, but yeah, my very first training camp, 18 years old, going into New York, we're having our inter squad games in Rye, which is where the practice facility still is today, I believe, and. Uh, First shift, get on the ice, and I'm faced off against Tony Bernardo. It was after a goal, get on the ice. He dumps me right off the faceoff. So he takes my legs out from underneath me, and I get back up, and the puck, we won the draw. It goes into the offensive zone. I go on the forecheck. He's the right winger. He comes out of the corner. Puck comes around. I go to finish a check. He dodges the hit and dumps me again. Takes my feet out from underneath me and kind of flattens me on the ice. Now, I, I, I will admit, I wasn't as well balanced early in my career as it was later in my career. I had to learn that at the pro level. But I was a big, strong kid, and now I was mad. So I chased him all the way back into the defensive zone, and he scored a goal. He came turned right, came around the board, so now I'm meeting him head on. We collide. He gets a stick up on me, and I one-punch him. So I hit him with a pretty good shot. He goes down. He's on the ice, and I'm standing over top of him. Now, did you, and everybody, wait a sec here. Did, did you know who he was? I had no idea. No idea who it was. I didn't realize that he had had 34 goals a year before. It was runner-up to Brian Leach's his teammate for Rookie of the Year. 
Didn't know oh, any of that. But, but Tony, but Tony was a he was kind of a feisty guy. Like people don't remember that. I think he had over a thousand family minutes. Like he was a he was a chippy, hard nosed, feisty guy. Um, I had no idea. You know what? I went in there pretty green into my first training camp. I was just you know nerves were very high, and I was just going to play. But nonetheless, I put him down. Um, I didn't catch him perfect, but I caught him enough to put him down to the ice. And Ron Gresser, the grizzled old vet, comes over and looks at me, and I can't really say exactly what he said, but more or less he was like, what are you doing? And I looked at him kind of bewildered and said, what do you mean, what am I doing? The guy dropped me twice on the ship. What do you expect me to do? And then I hear from away from me, I hear, get him, Joe, and Joe Patterson, smoking Joe Patterson, had jumped over the boards, and he was on Tony's team, and he came out and we fought at center ice. And uh, that was my first first introduction to my first camp in New York. And I was like, get me back to junior. I'm done with this. I've had enough of this already. <laughs> it was pretty wild. And Chris Nyland was in training camp at that time. We had a really tough roster. I mean, a lot of tough guys. And uh, it just was, you know, it was a real kind of introduction into, you know, you never know who you're up against. Everybody plays a hard game and everybody's watching. It's funny. I was talking to Perry Cece in the stands about the story afterwards. And I said, you know, years later in Chicago, when I went to Chicago's camp, Travis Mullen, who was a great role player and had a real good career from just outside of Swift Current, he hammers Phil Housley, a Hall of Famer, very first day of training camp. And I mean, blows him up with a huge open I said, And as you know, Phil Housley was a very hard guy to hit. So a testament to him to get in that physically, that aggressively on the forecheck and blow up Phil Housley. Lyle O'Line does the same thing that Joe Patterson does. He jumps over the boards and fights Travis Mullen. It's a good fight. Travis does fine in the fight. And I bump into him in the elevator in the hotel, and I looked at him, and I said, you know what, kid? I said, I did the same thing in my very first shift, on my very first training camp. And you know what I told him? I said, if Phil Housley comes around the net tomorrow, blow him up again. I said, you won't get the chance, I promise you. He's not going to let you hit him like that again, because now that he knows you're a hitter, there's no chance you're ever going to get a... You won't even get a shoulder on him. But, I said, if he's stupid enough to come around the net again with his head down, <laughs> blow him up exactly how you did it again, because that's how you're going to make this team. And he's not on your team yet. You're trying to make this team. And Travis Mullen, to his... Uh, um, credit you know was a very hard-nosed player and he did he played every shift like it was his last he was a, he was a real solid pro for a long time what i remember about granado was when he two-handed neil wilkinson over the head and got a 15 game suspension. oh yeah no that's what i mean like no no i didn't know this about tony right i didn't know that he had that wild side he was and he was a sticky player well I found out really quick. He stuck me twice <laughs> on that first shift that I was on the ice with him. And he made me look pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. He scored the goal as well. So he was a good goal scorer, but he, uh, he was kind of cut from a different cloth back then. He was intense when he played. He had three years. So he got traded later that season. So he had 36 goals as a rookie with 140 pims. And he got traded during the 89-90 season with Thomas Sandstrom. Yeah. For Bernie Nichols. Right, I, I, Nichols went from LA to the Rangers, and I. But uh, and I know Neil Wilkinson. He clubbed Neil Wilkinson over the head when he was with L. And Neil Wilkinson, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. He was a pretty tough dude, wasn't he? Yeah, he. I, we were talking this morning. He surprised me. He. Uh, we dropped the gloves one time in Edmonton. I think he was with Chicago at that time, and I'm. I'm pretty sure he was a natural lefty, but he would square off right. 
but his left jab, because it was his dominant hand, was really a really powerful jab. And being the big dummy that I was, I ran right into it. <laughs> I, I strided right into that left jab, and uh, luckily it grazed my chin, didn't catch me full on the chin, because it probably would have buckled me down, but it did wobble me for a millisecond. It kind of it caught me off guard with how powerful it was. And uh, I grabbed on, and we had a, a pretty good spirit scrap for the short period that it was after that. But uh, he, was, he fought a lot of big guys, a lot of tough guys. He was one of those guys that wouldn't back down. He was tall, he was lanky. I'll have to find that out. I'll do a little investigating, but I do believe I heard later on that I think he was a natural lefty and could throw both hands, but he used that left jab to his advantage when he was squaring off against guys that were right, and it worked. I saw him do it to a few other tough guys. I believe Joey Kosher was one of them. I think he fought probably in his career as well, but he uh, he would step up and fight the big boys. He was not afraid to to drop the gloves with some heavyweights, and you know what? He handled himself pretty well. I think he was you know an underrated tough guy in the league. Didn't fight a ton, but when he fought, he was completely capable. Well, coming up at 105 today is another guy that was an underrated light heavyweight fighter during his time, Jim Neal. Jim Neal fought a lot oh, yeah. when he was with the. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Vancouver and, and the Winnipeg Jets specifically. I'm pretty sure he fought Messier once, and, uh, and so he, he was certainly a, a capable guy in that regard. Louis, great stuff. We'll see you down on the right tonight, and hey, send that shuttle over tomorrow morning at 4.17 a.m. Yeah, we'll be picking you up. You better be ready. Well, you're always early, so I'm not worried about you being ready. You'll be ready. <laughs> awesome stuff, Lou Dog. Okay, take care, bud. You bet. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, that is Louis DeBrus for GCL Diesel. It is currently 12.55 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. We'll take a quick time out, and when we come back for our friends at St. Albert Source for Sports, we'll do Oilers game day trivia. You're listening to Oilers Now. You still have some time to sneak in the perfect holiday gift. You can join Oilers Now in Vegas in January to see Edmonton play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. This new S travel package. I might need to turn that off here. Just a sec. Just, just watching hockey fights just for the heck of it. Uh, I pulled up a beauty between Jim Nell and Kevin McClellan from the 1987-88 season. All right, anyways, our trip with the gang with Dennis and Jason and everybody at New West Travel. We are going to Vegas, Las Vegas, the Oilers and their Pacific Division Moravos. This New West travel package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Strip. Great game tickets. We're going to do a welcome reception as well for the Oilers Now Hockey Vegas package. You can reach out to New West Travel or NewWestTravel.com. Brendan, how tough should I make the trivia question? Give it moderate today. Give it moderate. All right, here's the deal. This is... uh, yeah, we're gonna. It's it's gonna be moderately tough. It's not gonna be stupid tough. Up for grabs. It's it's really about the bragging rights on the show. That's what it's for, man. And the fifty dollars GC from our friends at St. Albert's Source Hockey Headquarters for over thirty five years. You text in the correct answer. If you've listened to the show over the years, you'll have the answer. Which college hockey team did Jim Nill play for after he played for the Medicine Hat Tigers before he went on to play in the NHL? 780-496-0063. We head off to a global news, weather, traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, Dallas Stars General Manager Jim Nill.